it's not just parents, it's coaches, it's players, and it's a hard enough job, as coaches know, to coach and as umpires to umpire. I just think that the behavior itself has to stop. That was Massachusetts Baseball Umpires Association President Dom Damari. He's our guest on the Base Path Podcast. Welcome to the Base Path Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan, along with co-host Matt Feld. Today's guest is joining us in studio. He's the Massachusetts Baseball Umpires Association President, Dom Damari. He's part of a group that is asking for stronger protections from parents upset over their children's games. He was part of a rally held outside the Massachusetts State House last week. Dom, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, we're, I saw this article online, and it's something that a lot of coaches, we have a lot of coaches on the podcast and even some players, have talked about over the last five, ten years. It's really become a problem with parents. I don't know if it's because they're paying for travel ball or what the situation is. How do you think this problem of parents abusing umpires, how, how has that gotten so bad over the years? You know what, I, I really don't want to just limit it to parents, really. It, it's, it's kind of a widespread behavior that's become, I guess, okay, or people that do it think that it's okay. And it's not just parents, it's coaches, it's players, it's, it can be almost anybody, it depends. And it's, hard, it's a hard enough job, as, as coaches know, to coach and as umpires to umpire. So having said all that, I just think that the behavior itself has to stop because what it's doing, it's preventing guys like me who assigned umpires in different leagues and different youth sports across the state. It's becoming a problem retaining help. And it's just, it's just something that has to be brought out to the forefront. And with, with, with some of the penalties in that bill, I, I don't necessarily am a proponent of those penalties. I just like to use them as a deterrent more than anything else, really. Mm-hmm. How much have you say it's been exacerbated over the last couple of years? I feel like particularly since maybe the conclusion of the pandemic or when people were able to go back outside, I feel like people are like outside of the cage. It started, it started just at the end of when the pandemic started and it, and it progressed through the pandemic. And obviously we didn't play baseball for some time and we had that social inactivity that precipitated a lot of this. But what it did with, in terms of just the umpires aspect was it, it prevented or it started guys in the older part of the workforce to realize that, hey, you know what, I don't have to do this anymore. It's not, it's not that important. I get to do other things now. So we lost, I would say, 40-50% of our current roster, and we're working on basically just on a razor-thin line. Somebody calls out sick or has to take their dog to the dentist. We have, we have an issue. We, don't, we have games that are going uncovered. I also assigned for the sub-varsity high school groups. And that's a problem, too, because now we have parents that are paying user fees and all of this stuff, and, and, and their kids aren't getting what they paid for. They're not getting games covered. They're not getting games played in some respects. So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a real problem. Yeah, and you own and operate Boston Umpires, a signing group. I do. And it seems like umpires in general, it's either older guys who love the game, who maybe their kids are out of the house, they want to go back and they want to be around the game, and umpiring is a great way to do that. Or younger player, or maybe former players, younger guys, 14, 15 yeah. years old, looking to make some extra money. 
And those guys generally get assigned to the sub varsity games or maybe even age group 13, 14 year old games. Where weird, weird things happen in that game. It's not necessarily... Those are the games that are the strangest. Because yeah. if, you, if you want to learn rules and interpretations and, and situations, do it at the Little League level because that's where it's going to happen. Yeah, weird things come up because yeah. it's not as clean. Are there strategies that you can give those umpires when you're training them to say, hey, like, if all of a sudden you hear a parent that's being very vocal, here's how you need to address it to kind of nip it in the bud, or can you throw them out right away? What are, what are some of the strategies you teach your guys? That's an interesting take because back, I don't know, when I started probably somewhere on 30 years ago, when I started it was like learning the rules, knowing the mechanics, and all of that stuff. What it's become now is the first question that I get for some young umpires is, how do I handle a parent that's yelling at me? Now, that's... That's a, that should say it enough that, that there's a problem there. You know what I mean? So I try to teach them, you know what I mean, not to engage. My, my own son, I have to, taught, to tell him that because my son is at the D3 level. He just did a regional down at Mitchell College. And I said, if anything, don't engage with the parents, especially at this time of the year because it becomes so difficult because they say some really vile things. I mean, and I don't know what... What they und- why they feel that they can do that. You know what I mean? You got one guy stands up and gets on the umpire. Then before you know it, you have 10 to 15 people. Everybody yeah, thinks yeah, they can do yeah. it better. Yeah, Everybody you know? thinks they can yell at the umpire. Yeah, yeah. How much How much of the onus do you place, this, this, the legislation that's been talked about on, on Beacon Hill and, and things that other groups have talked about revolve around punishing the parents, right? Or punishing the, I guess, the offender. No, 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 whoever the offender is. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. You know what the funny part about that is when we did that, when we did that statehouse visit, the bills that were being considered didn't necessarily fall under the umpire's category, but it was the same problem. It was T workers. It was EMTs. It was teachers. Or, teachers. Yeah. All, all of these people were coming up. Some have been ass- nurses that have been assaulted in, in in the OR in the emergency room, and there's no protection for those people. There's no arrestable. They can't, a cop can't go into those kind of situations and arrest a perpetrator. Mm-hmm. They, they have to witness the assault in order to be able to 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 arrest. That seems to me in itself wrong. <laughs> yeah, it seems ridiculous. So that's kind of why we we did this because there's a need for it. In the school situation, though, where it's mostly parents and fans at games, how much onus though do you place on the school and the school administrators in terms of what type of expectations that they're putting in place for or and guidelines for their players and and for their families to follow? Well, I can tell you what I what I say because I'm an assigner and I deal with ads is that they do have those things in place. Now, I will say, are they always enforced? Probably not. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to put the onus on them. I mean, and certainly I've been in situations where I've had an unruly parent or whatever the case may be, in, and usually they have a game administrator at the field, and you just point to them and say, take care of this problem. I don't want to have mm-hmm. I mean, so that, in that respect, it, it is governed by the, by the schools, but enforced, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And when you're reading through the bill, at points like it reads that if the if so and so happens, it can be processed as a felony, which sounds severe. And when you're just considering parents booing umpires yeah. or something, yeah. but it does. But booing well, wouldn't be a problem, Dan. If they were just booing, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, and uh, there was a game in Cohasset last year, a basketball game. Yeah. 
where a player threw a punch at a referee and almost knocked the referee out. You Not know? only that, he actually kneed him while he was down. Yeah, yeah. so that should be a felony. You That's would think assault. so. Yeah. It's assault. No, it's not. It's <laughs> yeah. not. And even, in, even though that there was probably maybe a, a couple hundred people witnessing it at the time, they still can't. There was nothing. I mean, short of a civil, civil suit or somewhere along the lines, I, I, to my knowledge, that kid hasn't been prosecuted. That's crazy because yeah. now every game, all these games are streamed. You have it on yeah. video. It's a and you know what? For the most part, sports officials in general, they're not looking to do a bad job. Right, yeah. They, they take their craft very seriously. I mean, I train college umpires, little league umpires. I start in March. I'm down in Florida training collegiate umpires. And, and, and trust me when I say that, every guy that's down there is totally committed and wants to do a good job. They don't want to screw up. Yeah. So take that into consideration. I say a lot of times, and I said it somebody was interviewing me some time ago, if they really want to know how it is, strap it on and get behind the plate and see how easy it is. It's not that easy. And it's not like they're making a ton of money. It's, no. You can't abuse these guys for making 30, 40 bucks. No, the majority yeah. of the guys that are doing it now, they're not doing it for the money. They're doing it for the love of the game. Right. Now, I will say to the, I will say at the, at the younger level, I, I tell... I say this to every every kid that I talk to when I'm training when I'm training them is I say, where can you find a part time job in the summertime that you can sleep to ten or eleven or twelve o'clock in the afternoon and have your parents give you no hard time? <laughs> and they go, well, sign me up. Okay, umpire, because uh, conservatively speaking, if a kid at between fifteen and eighteen years old goes out and does youth leagues, which I I would welcome anybody that's listening to, to reach out to me. They can make upwards of $1,000, $1,000 a week, and that's not even hustling, and have weekends off. Really? Yeah. yeah. They're, wow. they're getting, Little League games now are getting 75 to 80 to $90 a game. And you could do a couple. And you could do more than one in a day. Right, yeah. So you, you know, just do the math. It's, it can be, I'm sure there's parents out there writing down things now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. Guy, yeah. What do you think? Ha what do you think can change? I guess right because this is not something where just because you pass a bill or tell people to stop doing something, they're going to do something. They're going to stop doing it overnight. So, what does kind of a gradual shift in the way people are acting at youth sports games look like to you? My my vision of, of this bill is to have one person, and I hate to be that person, but have one person just be made aware. Maybe I don't want to see anybody go to jail, but just maybe. Uh, a hit in the pocketbook usually wakes people up. Just to know that, that this is in place, it's not going to be tolerated anymore. And I even go back as, as far as, and I know that I've worked in different states, Florida especially, it is a felony. 22 states have this kind of law on the books right now. Hmm. So just make it a deterrent. Just It's just not acceptable. That's all. Yeah, I think I saw in New Jersey, they had a situation where you if you got kicked out of a game, as a parent or a spectator. You had to do the game. You, you had, had to, you had the to umpire. And I'm, I'm a very good proponent of that. It would help me quite a bit. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm not retaining people. You know what I mean? I'm just not. So, yeah. And what kind of power does the umpire even have now to eject a, a parent? Because, you, like you said, you don't want to engage. And then sometimes you see these videos of... You're, the ump's trying to kick the parent out and they're not leaving. And the ump's like, well, then I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Like, can... How much power do they even have to eject anybody? They, well, baseball's a unique sport. We don't have the yellow card. We don't have a two-minute penalty. We have a finality. 
when you eject a coach, player, or any type of person, that's final. There's nothing taking that back. Right. So high schools instituted the one-strike rule. I mean, we have to get, in the college level, we have to give a warning at the, at the youth level. Warnings are about as good as the paper they're written on, really. If somebody is irate, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, and, and for the most part, like I said, most of the youth groups are cognizant that we have this issue, and, and they are trying their best to curb the problem before it happens. So with that, it's starting. It's a start. Mm-hmm. It needs to be much more enforced. What are you seeing from the coaches and the players themselves? For the most part, coaches are good. Coaches are trying to do their job. Coaches arguing with umpires or any kind of official is part of the game. I don't blame coaches at all. What I do get and what I do see is a lot of coaches that condone their student-athlete's behavior. That's a problem. When you have a student-athlete doing this and, you, and you're the coach, you need to react to that student-athlete and stop it before it becomes a problem. Right. And that's sometimes, and I won't say that happens 100% of the time, but I would say it happens. It happens, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, and you could also... As a coach, you want to defend your players when they're upset, but also you could set the expectation early in the year and just be like, hey, we're not going to – I'll take care of engaging with the, with the officials here, and we're not going to have play. Well, what I tell the guys, for the most part, that work for me is if you have a problem and you can't get it resolved by whoever's there, call me. Mm-hmm. I'll resolve it because one of two things will happen. Either the behavior will stop or the umpire will get pulled off the field, and that's me. And that's, that's when, when it comes down to when you're owning business, and I'm sure you understand, those guys that are out there are representing me. Mm-hmm. So I need to be able to at least stand be that, behind them and give them some support as well. Yeah. Yep. What made you want to umpire in the first place? <laughs> that's, that's a funny story. I just wanted something to do. So I, I, I met up with a, my daughter's, my daughter danced in a, in a dance group and, this guy who was a former former player for the Red Sox back in the 60s, it was a Pac League Hall of Famer, said, and he knew how much I love baseball. He said, you want to get into it as being an umpire. Go, umpire, why would I want to do that? You know what I mean? And, and so he'd take me to games. He, he'd work with me, and he said, you're not, you're not bad. You kind of know what you're doing. He says, why don't you give it a whirl? So I took the exam. And, and and history is made, you know what I mean? It's, I became an umpire, you know what I mean? And my two sons, one of which, like I said, is an umpire. One's a part-time umpire. But, yeah, it, it, my wife has been a widow for over 30 years. I've retired. This assigning business has kept me busy to the point where she doesn't see me. I'm locked in my office eight hours a day now. So it's another job. It's really another job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're also a college umpire instructor for the CBUAO, Secretary Treasurer for the South Shore Umpires Association, and current president of the Massachusetts Baseball Umpires Association, which is, that's the organization leading the push on this legislation? Yeah, for, well, yeah. And you know what, with me and my partner, Mark Ruley, we, we kind of like spearheaded that that thing. And with a couple of good hockey guys, too, I don't want to leave them out, God. They they've been instrumental in getting us, getting us this this notoriety. I guess it is. And, and honestly, yeah, it's part of you know what the mass umpires because we we represent like three thousand umpires across the state of Massachusetts. So, right. So yeah, and, and on a daily basis, I get a an email about someone or somebody having a problem with a parent or a coach or. You know, I mean, with coaches, there's some sort of, like, something that will stick. If you get thrown out as a coach, 
you have to go to anger management classes. So there are some responsibilities for, from a coach. Maybe those same those same responsibilities has to be passed on to the fans and the parents in the stands too. Yeah, I was going to ask you if there was like a one instance or a tipping point, or was it just all of a sudden you're, you can't get these umpires to do games because they're getting abused or... Was there one thing or yeah, just... I think it was more more the retention part of it. Okay. When my group started, we had over 300 umpires, mm-hmm. working umpires. Now we have 130. I mean, so, and to try to get people to want to do it and to commit to do it is, is very difficult when they see things like this going on. So it's, it, it's kind of like all intertwined yeah. with all industries, really, since COVID. Right. You know, but more so this way because parents don't realize that the numbers are dwindling. There's, there's games going on as we speak today that are going on, sub-varsity games that are going uncovered because there's not enough people to do it. So if you don't see that to be a problem, then, you know, it is. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and thank you for thing. letting us talk about it because it gets the word out. Well, I'll put in, we're going to post this at baseballjournal.com and I'll put in information about if you're interested in being an umpire, like you said, you can make $1,000 a week doing it now because there's not a ton, as much interest. There's 130 instead of 300. So I'll put some information if you do, you, know, you can reach out to I you. I really appreciate that. And you okay. know what? Just not, not just in my part of the state of Massachusetts, I cover like most of the South Shore. We have other assigners that cover the North Shore, the western part of the state. All of these guys are in the same situation as I am. I'm just, I'm just a loudmouth Italian that's talking about it. So, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So, what do you feel like you've you've alluded to it? You and Dan just talked about it, but I feel like increasing the retention rate—that's a long process, right? You're not all of a sudden going to show up next year and have 250 no. umpires. No. So, what steps do get taken? to kind of increase the retention rate. So if you get more college students and they go back to school or, or what have you, how do you make that happen? How do you get that back going in the right I, direction? I think that this this is a start. I think that assigners in general that, that assign need to be supportive of the of their workforce, which some are some are, some not. Some are just are there just to put a guy in a in a body in a game and not worry about it. And I, I don't I don't believe that. No, that's not how I operate, but you know, you got to give them some support, and they got to see things changing. You know what I mean? Until that happens, it's going to be hard. And you're right; it's it's this is not going to be an overnight type of thing. It's going to be a five year type of thing that guys are going to gradually, or kids, or or young adults that want to make an, a few extra bucks are going to come back to hopefully. Because I'm not I'm speaking for baseball, but it's football, basketball, hockey wrestling it's all of everyone it. it's all of it so you, i'm speaking for all of those people they may agree or disagree with me but i'm behind the mic they're not that's right <laughs> yeah. well not i bet a lot of our listeners aren't familiar with the political legislative process you're probably getting more familiar with it with through this what is it what is this process like i was in touch with mark who you said is helping you with this he said why don't we do one again when it goes to, I don't, I, there's some process it's going to uh, take. Yeah, it, it is a process like in everything that goes on. And I don't want to just say in the state of Massachusetts, this is government in general. You know what I mean? You can't get things done overnight. Right. It's got to go through a process. The process that we just went through was a hearing to see if there's enough support or traction for this bill. Apparently there is. So now there are two or three different other people that have brought similar bills to the floor. We're going to try to collaborate with them and come up with something that's suitable for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that's 
what will go and that's what will will pass and maybe hopefully the governor will sign maybe I'll get to meet the governor and have her sign this thing you know what I mean that would be a good that would be a good thing yeah you know what I mean going forward first of all what leagues do you help with currently well we we do, in terms of my business yeah. yeah I have all the all the towns from from just shy of Boston all the way down to the south shore as far down as Plymouth and then on the high school level, we have all of the South Shore, different, whatever league is in the South Shore, Tri-Valley, Mayflower, Bay State, all of those all of those high school leagues we have, and we assign games to. I assign just the sub-varsity level. Coach Don Fredericks, I'm sure you know all of Of course, right? oh yeah. I work with him directly, and, and he, he does a lot of the varsity, and he's got many leagues that he assigns. I'm curious what type of, across the leagues that, you've, that you work with and help assign, what type of feedback you you had since the since high schools changed to federation rules a couple of years ago, and what that you know process what? That's been a, like? That's a great question because we did lose a lot of older umpires when we went to the fed rules because fed rules are are a different rule set. They they're more in tune to a common sense safety for the student athlete, and that's basically why the MIA brought that in. And we were the only one of the the only states that weren't subscribing to that yep. rule set, so it, it kind of made sense. But, like I said, the older guys that don't want like, change like myself. Well, I mean, I don't mind, but they just went on there on and said, I don't need this anymore, and they just left. But that was another reason why we lost and didn't retain a lot of umpires, too. Hmm. Yeah. I like the idea that you mentioned, whether it's a parent, a player, the anger management piece. Like, it doesn't, why do only coaches have to do that if you're... If coaches you're, and administrators yep. and, and even, I, I think, even players that get thrown out they have to go okay yeah i like that idea is it mostly for baseball is it mostly balls and strikes that parents are arguing or it it can be almost anything it's it's probably more balls and strikes that i've seen in my experience because the parent that's behind the backstop we all we all say it we all know it we don't call the strike zone as per the rule especially at the youth level we want to widen that zone we want to make the kids swing we want them to learn how to hit a baseball yeah doesn't do anybody any service to sit there and, and walk all the time right so yeah the strike zone may get a little wider and 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 johnny's parent or father or mother that's behind the backstop sees that and they get frustrated because of course they're going to vanderbilt on a four-year free ride <laughs> right <laughs> you know what i mean so now they they're going to give you a hard time and and and, and and it starts. And, and you just got to be more of a veteran guy that knows how to handle that situation. We try to teach it, but you don't know what's going to happen until you're in that situation. So, And we have a funny saying, umpires always back their cars into the parking lot. And there's a reason for that. because, <laughs> and, and it goes back 30 years because that's how, how long it's been a problem. Maybe not to this extent, but yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's been times where I've been at a game and you felt, yeah, a little uncomfortable. Yeah. So not, now you're backed into the spot. You can leave, and you don't have to dress in the park a lot and make yourself. You know what I mean? Well, and then, and that's what we have to do. You know. Well, I've been to games where I do set up like that behind the plate. Sometimes you want to see well, what's his breaking ball right, look like right, right, from right, that yeah, perspective. Yeah. And I've mo- and umps can't do it, but I've moved and been like, oh, these guys are just going to sit here chirping all game right. or like rolling their eyes after every pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, as an umpire, you can't. You have to stay no, where you are, right? No, exactly. Exactly. So, in terms of how the season's gone this year, what type of feedback have you gotten just in general this, this past couple of weeks or, or this month alone? It's been, it's been constant. I recently just got an email from, a, from an umpire in the western part of the state that literally 
left his partner to dress. He asked him, are you okay? I says, I gotta, I gotta go. And he goes, yeah, yeah, go ahead, I'm all set. And had some parent come over to, and threaten him at his car. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and threaten him in a way that made him very uncomfortable. So, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, and it happens on a daily basis. There's no question. It's crazy. Yeah. No other profession do you, can you get away with just abusing people no, like this. It's crazy. No. And you know what? It's tea workers too. I I want to I want to stress that those tea workers that are out there driving buses and and doing the streetcars, they're in as much danger as as an umpire at a baseball field in some cases. In some cases, more more. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? And I feel for those guys too. Yeah. And women. Well, we do a three up, three down segment for all of our shows. It's kind of a general interest baseball thing. We're going to have an umpire themed three up, three down. So what we're going to do, our producer, David Yaz, is going to ask us rules type questions. And then you're going to tell us (laughs) what the real, why why you don't sound like you're excited about this. No, because you know what? I've been so far removed and retired that some of the rules have changed, but I could probably give you like a basic. You'll be better than us, I'm sure. Yeah. All right, this is our three up, three down segment with our producer, David Yaz. Three up, three down. Thank you, Dan. Yes, special stump the ump version of three up, three down. We're going to let you, Dan, and you, Matt, answer first because I'm going to presume that Dom is going to answer these questions correctly. Oh, you're presuming wrong. Well, <laughs> a couple of them I might not even yeah. know the answer to. I'll be honest with you. Okay, we'll start out with what I don't know if this is an easy one or not, but runners on first and second, and there is nobody out. The batter squares to bunt, and he bunts the ball, but he pops it up. The ball sails 100 feet in the air right above the infield. Should the umpire call the infield fly rule or not? Dan, we'll start with you. I say yes, because otherwise that'd be an easy double play, and that's what they're trying to prevent, right? We'll uh, we'll accept your answer. I'm not going to tell you if it's right or not yet, (laughs) because I'm going to let Matt answer. I would say yes, too, but I've never even thought of or pictured that sort of situation. I've never seen an infield fly called on a bunt. That's a terrible bunt. Yeah, no, that is a horrendous horrendous. It is a terrible bunt. I'm making it the worst bunt in history (laughs) for the purposes of the hypothetical. But, Dom, can you tell us what the answer is? Yeah, the answer is no. And Dom is absolutely correct. It's not an infield fly rule? It is not. A bunt cannot be an infield fly rule. Wow, I didn't know that. Yep. According to Rule 2.00, an infield fly is a fair fly ball, not including a line drive, nor an attempted bunt. But but for your purposes, if if you have a smart fielder, he doesn't have to catch that bunt. He can let it fall and get the double play. Turn the double play, yes. Right, right. Very good. For the next one, I'm going to call upon a, a moment in baseball history back in 2009. Now, bear with me here, but this actually happened and brings up an interesting rule. Okay, this is a 2009, a game between the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. There's one out. Juan Pierre for the Diamondbacks is on second. Andre Ethier is on third ba- base. Okay, the, the batter happens to be the Dodgers pitcher, Randy Wolf. Did I say how many outs? Sorry, yeah, there's one out. One so we out. got one out, second and third, and Randy Wolf hits a line drive right back to the box, and Diamondbacks pitcher Dan Heron catches the ball. Both Pierre and Ethier broke on contact without tagging up, so they're heading for third and home, respectively. And Heron turns, throws the ball to his second baseman. He tags out Pierre between second and third, but not until after Ethier crosses home plate. Upon tacking out Pierre for the third out, the Diamondbacks left the field thinking that the inning was over. Joe Torre, 
Dodgers manager at the time, emerges from the dugout, and he says Ethier's run counts, even though he didn't tag up from third. Matt will let you go first on this. And if you want to ask any follow-up questions, you may, because it is a little complicated. <laughs> so I kind of get the gist. I yeah, So do I. So, the, so it's a long drive back to the mound. The runner on third never tags up. Correct. Okay. There must have been two outs, correct? No. One out, but it's a double play, right? So the, the pitcher catches the ball for out number two. He wheels towards second. Throws to his second baseman. They tagged the runner that was on second. Between second between and third. Between second and third. And the runner scored. The runner scored okay. before. Okay. But the runner I, never I tagged it. up. I get it. So That's the correct. Inning, so the inning was over. That was, Yes, that was okay. the third out. Yep. Okay. And, but Tori says that despite the inning being over, they are entitled to the run. Matt? Now I've confused everybody. No, I, no, I understand. No, I understand the situation. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how I want to best argue this. Now the runner never tagged up, but I presume that the fielders then also gave up on the runner. It's like ignoring a runner that never touched a base, circling around home. So I'm going to say the run should count. It should count. Okay, Dan. <laughs> I think Ethier, who is the runner on third, has to go back and touch third base before he goes home for the run to count. But I'm thinking maybe by tagging the runner. In between second and third, maybe all, right. all of a sudden it doesn't. I'm going to say the run does not count. Okay. You were on the right track with the tag play. So, Dom, this, do you know this one? I'm going to say that, I'm going to say that yep. in this situation, there is the opportunity for a fourth out. Oh, I love this uh, man. Uh, I love and, this and, man. Oh, there and, are four outs. And <laughs> Tori is right in saying that the run should count. Yep. However, the other coach, I don't know who that was, the other coach could appeal the run at third base for the inevitable fourth out, and then the run would not count. Could have appealed, but you correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Umpire, but once the, the, the third out is committed and all the fielders leave the field, at that point, do they not forfeit the ability to, to appeal? Partially, that's, that is true, too. Okay. Yes. So, Dom, you're absolutely correct again. And this is, and I've brought it up with you guys before, but you probably haven't been that interested. And I'm fascinated <laughs> by the idea that there, there's a possible fourth out. So what Dom is correct in saying, if the, if the second baseman, after tagging the runner in third, had simply run to third base, stepped on third, correct. that would have recorded a fourth out. Correct. Which, which would then eliminate the run. Which, understand, too, <laughs> is there's a difference between a, a, a timed play and a... And a, and a so on a time play, that would be on our appeal play. So there's two different aspects of that. Yeah. So by virtue of the guy going over to third base and touch it, he's actually appealing that the runner left early, right. which which creates the fourth out. Uh, and you would ignore the third out in order not to score the run. Right. Ah, uh, okay. It's also, just to complicate it further, it's also significant that first base was open because if it wasn't, then the tag play becomes, I don't know if you call it a force play. It does come a force play. A force play, and in that case, the run wouldn't count because it, it wouldn't have mattered. Correct, because he, he can't score a run on a, on a, on a force play. Right. Oh, yeah. Baseball's fascinating. All right, the third and final question for three up. I'm two for two. You are? He is, he is two for two. <laughs> I direct your attention to the video screen. I don't know if you guys can say, oh, wait a minute. I, I don't have all the correct buttons pushed here. Okay, here we go. So we're looking at a game. I don't know when it is, but. I think I know what's happening here. Okay, so the pitch is going to deliver. And the, <laughs> the significant part is the catcher for the Rangers is Jonah Heim. Is that how we pronounce his name? And it's a 2-2 two -two yeah. count, I believe that it is. It is. Oh, yeah, that is significant. Thank yes. you, Matt. It's a 2-2 two -two count. I think Matt's going to get this one right. All right, so I'll narrate for our viewing audience at home. The ball. The, the batter 
hits the ball straight, fouls it straight back. The the ball then hits. Let's see. Did it hit his helmet and his chest protector, or just his just his mask? I should say the catcher's mask. Okay, hits the definitely hits the catcher's mask and and pops straight up into the air. Heim then lunges to his right, well away from the the batter's box, and catches the ball with his bare hand. The question is, what's the call? Dan, you want to go first? Or? Yeah, so I, it's the third strike, and the catcher is catching the third strike there. I right. di- and it did not get a piece of the umpire or the no. batter. It's just all the catcher that's touching it there. So no. I, I'm going to say that's strike three. Strike three, okay. Matt, do you I, agree? Actually, I actually don't know if I'm going to get this right or not because I remember having this argument with somebody, and I still don't know who was right after watching this play at the end of last year, I believe. Yep. But I agree with Dan. This would be a foul tip out for, for strike number three that has just had a bizarre bounce of equipment around the catcher. Dom? Well, first of all, we have to know the rule. Yep. Right. So a ball that's, that's fouled straight back and hits any pat, part of the paraphernalia of the catcher become the ball becomes dead at that point ah. mm-hmm. and it's 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 just a foul ball ah this is brutal i this think it's brutal but they ruled they did call him out i so think they ruled him out in this case there um, was an argument that about whether the umpires were if it hit correct. him in the, if it hit the catcher in the mask if it hit any part of the catcher after being batted then it's just a foul ball well they they very well very well may have gotten it wrong it's also interesting because I guess it makes it makes no difference that the ball popped in the air. I was thinking it went off his mask and popped. It went off his mask and popped in the air, of course. But what I'm saying is, it makes no difference that the ball went above the batter's shoulder. So we're talking strike versus no. But what if it just hits the glove? If he caught it directly, then it would be a foul tip, and the ball would remain live. But what if it's like off the glove and you catch it again? If it's off the glove, that's that's okay. That's okay. Okay. Glove is okay. But but if it hits any part of it, it gets lodged in his in his chest protector or anything. But you know what? I'm not too confident on on my interpretation either. So, in the way I see it and the way I watched it, I couldn't tell whether or not it hit him in the mask. So I would, if it did hit him in the mask, I would just say simply a foul ball. But I have probably thousands of umpires right now telling me how how wrong I am. Well, I I think you have the rule. It's just we're looking at a small screen, so you can't really tell what it ricochets off there. Just because we're on the rules topic really quickly, I don't know if you saw what happened in the Central Catholic Andover game a couple weeks ago. So bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the ninth, or bottom of the seventh, excuse me, tie game, three to three. Central Catholic kid hit a line drive single up the middle that perceivably won the game for Central Catholic. The kid from third ran home, touched the plate. The kid at the plate ran, touched first base. However, the kid going from first to second All runners. never went to second base. Oh, and so no. everyone's walking off the field except the Andover shortstop was very alert and realized the runner never went to second base. That's the Fred Merkel play. That's and a famous play. They went and touched history. second yeah. base while the Central Catholic kids were playing on top of each other. The runner was out and we went to the eighth inning. Can uh. you only imagine? <laughs> can you only imagine being the umpire in that situation? I because know. now you have thousands of irate parents all at once. Yeah. All at once telling you how much you like to blow in. In fact, the in fact there was in fact there was about a ten minute delay because the umpires actually went to their cars, and got the rule book, and brought it out and that's to make sure yeah. that they were correct. That's yeah. what, because that's a protestable offense, and Noah Sina wants to have a protest. <laughs> because think about it though, you, logistically speaking, now you got to bring the teams back. You got to pay another bus driver. 
all of these things are generated by money. Right. You know what I mean? And half the parents just want to get out of there. So I'm surprised you seam heads haven't heard of this story that comes back from 1908. A guy named <laughs> Fred Merkel, while playing for the New York baseball giants in a game against the Cubs, he was on second base, bottom of the ninth, two outs, score tied one to one. There's a base hit up the middle. The apparent, just just as you described, Matt, in this, this other game, the apparent winning run scores. Merkel fails to just ran, ran to the Giants' clubhouse without touching second base. Cubs second baseman Johnny Evers noticed this and retrieved yeah. a ball. People say they're not even sure if it was the same ball, but he retrieved <laughs> a ball and touched second base, appealed to umpire Hank O'Day. To call Merkel out, since Merkel had not touched the base, he called him out on a force play. Yeah. You know what? I, I, honestly, and I'll tell you this, those are the types of plays that we'll, we could talk about for hours, but we actually do teach umpires. If the, In this situation, we have signals to t- say, make sure everybody touches, because that's yeah. the one thing. And baseball is the greatest sport in the world, because you can think ahead. You can yeah. think about what's going to happen next. So we always try to teach our umpires, hey, listen, this is, in this situation, this could possibly happen. Just make sure that everybody touches. Yeah, That's all they got to do. With that fourth out thing, it, it, it applies for runners, too. If, if, you're, if you're running and you're not sure whether the inning is over, or if you're a fielder you're not sure the inning is over, and you can tag someone else somewhere on the base pass, do it. Exactly. Be, in, in Major League Baseball, now with the advent of replay, the uh, the fourth out becomes an even bigger deal because, and mm-hmm. this has happened a couple times, there's, there's a a close play at first base. He's called out for the apparent third out, and you see a guy running between second and third tag him out because yeah. if they win the appeal, then you've exactly. Got and there was there was a situation I saw the it, other day just like that. And yeah. you know what? And then and that's that's the beauty of the game. It's, you know, yeah. isn't it? It is when really you think a about thinking it, man's game. It the, is when you think about it. You, there's a reason why the, the the bases are ninety feet away. There's a reason why the yep. pitcher pitches 60 feet, 6 inches from, from home. Yep. All of these reasons <laughs> make a difference, believe it or not. Yeah, this season I found myself a few times with the new pitch clock rules wondering what they're arguing yeah, about. I'm trying to figure that one out yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's a tough one. That's a, definitely a tough one. Yeah. I got one bonus question, and the only reason I'm asking is because I'm dying to know the answer, and I'll say this, Dom, it's just for you. I don't know the answer. So there's a runner on third with two outs, and... A three and zero count on the batter. The runner on the pitch. The runner breaks for home. He's stealing home. Ball comes in. Pitcher signals a ball, which would be ball four. Runner slides in, tagged out at the plate. Who leads off the next inning? Is it the guy that was at the plate? Well, no, the next guy because he, he finishes would. at bat because of, by virtue of him being awarded first base. Okay, I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> We we thank you. If he, if he hadn't if he hadn't finished if it was in the middle of the count and that happened then the next, that same battle would come up with no count. Right. If it was called a strike and now the count's three and one. Right. Then he gets to come back. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Okay. I'm satisfied. Exam over. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you pass. You pass. The rest of us thank you. Failed. God. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to Dom Damari for joining us on the Base Path Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe to the Base Path Podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to our producer David Yaz, the Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production.